For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined, as always, by former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, you've got... You've got a good week to uh, to look forward to, and hopefully that starts on Sunday with a win. Let our people know why. I am uh, really excited for the Falcons to make good on this promise that they've made to us that this is going to be an exciting <laughs> season because they 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 gave us we, we thought their whole rebuilding thing was all we could expect, but after seeing a little bit of life, we're like, you know, maybe they, there's more to this team, and this would really solidify the whole there's more to this team because. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at Detroit as a win and being able to come to the Saints as last game, be a pivotal one to get us somewhere great. Uh, it all starts with beating the 49ers. And this is one of the uh, above average teams that it's not a guarantee we win, but we absolutely should be able to compete with. So I, I got to, you know, I'm home alone right now, like the dang movie. My whole family's in uh, <laughs> California. So I, I, I'm going to be like eating ramen and, you know, eating donuts. And, you know, <laughs> sitting, going to the game without you? Yeah, they <laughs> just relax and chill. Yeah, they went to uh, the 49ers game. They, they didn't bring me. But I, I have all the time in the world to talk about football and to watch the Falcons and to make sure good things happen. All right, cool. So you're up for a solo pod on Sunday after the game. I can just chill out. Yep. and, and <laughs> yep. I'm free. I ain't got nothing to do. Oh, heck yeah. Um, before we dive into this matchup, uh, like you said, I mean, a lot for us to talk about uh, with this game because I think the trend of this season for us has been seeing what this team kind of is and getting better against the bad teams against, I guess their peers in this league, but yeah, but we're still hoping and waiting for them to kind of make progress against one of these, one of these good teams. And I came across an article in, in five thirty eight yesterday. I tweeted it out. So if anybody wants to, uh, to check it out, just go to my um, Twitter account, but it was written by, uh, by Ty shelter and, it's the headline is are the Falcons the best bad team ever? And I saw that. I saw that it, one. Yep. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of goes to what I was talking about last week, where if you look at their um, point differential so far this year, it's minus 108. And I, I think that they're, I mean, they are like the only team in the league right now, sniffing the playoffs with that bad of a point, a uh, point margin. And the point of the piece is, they're one of the worst teams ever <laughs> in terms of the point margin to be in the playoff race this far late in the season. I mean, does that say, is that a positive for the Falcons or is that a negative <laughs> for the Falcons? I mean, they're because they're finding ways to win these games. But again, they're they're getting crushed in the games that they are kind of not expected to be in. And they're just eking out some of these these wins. But as we say, like a bad win is better than a good loss. Uh, at the Absolutely. end of the day, and I mean, that's all that matters is they're six and seven. But I mean, how do you even make sense of that? Understanding the context of the situation, obviously, 
looking at the overall picture and realizing that with our cap situation, with our new coach, mm-hmm. with our new system, the fact that we are still being competitive with such a horrendous number. I didn't know we were that bad when it comes to point differential <laughs> and across the board. We always know our defense. I don't even know how we can compete with a dead last, you know, uh, uh, pass rushing attack and, you know, pretty much last defense year after year. How we're competing is just beyond me, but I- I'll take it. <laughs> I'll absolutely take it. So uh, I didn't get a chance to read that whole article. I just saw the title and, and skimmed through, but it- it- they're absolutely right. We're the best bad team ever. And if we can <laughs> eke out wins with, this bad play, imagine when we actually get more talent and more experience and more comfortable with the scheme and situation and personnel and coaches. I'm excited. Like, There's lots of room to have some optimism if you're a Falcons fan, which is great. It's a weird place to be in. There, there definitely is. I mean, and, that, and that's why this weekend is so... So big, but you remember that that 2010 season when the NFC West just had like every team was so bad out there, yeah. and, and they all like I think the the Seahawks finished um, something like like seven and nine that year, and and went into the playoffs. But it was like the first time a team with a losing record went, and I think they actually knocked off the Saints. I think that's the Beastquake um, game, but the Falcons would be uh, would potentially surpass them if they can get to eight and nine and, and make the play- playoffs um, or even nine and eight, I guess as the playoff team in NFL history with probably the lowest point differential um, uh, to that point. So, you know, Falcons on the verge of making history, not, not the kind of history you want to make, but sure. Yeah, it's, it's what's it's more fitting for Atlanta history. than to be the best Falcon bad team like ever. History. Yeah. That's so <laughs> and, and that's the theme of this season, right? They've just beaten all the bad teams so they can claim the, the crown of we're just the best bad team. Like we just we beat we look at the head to heads. Yeah. Look at the, the you, whatever like we we are the bad team kings um, of 2021. So let's get into uh, a much more kind of compelling and real game <laughs> this weekend um, right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are, what are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, B L E A V 50, to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to Bet Online today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so if you let, I'll, I'll let you take this um, right off the bat, just in any direction that you want to take this, because I, I think that these two teams, in a lot of ways, are kind of similar. You know, we talked about how the Falcons are still able to win some of these games despite all of the things that that kind of they have going against them. And I think that's because they are well coached. They, they kind of emphasize the right things. They, they play, they play to the game that's in front of them, not necessarily to the one that they thought they were going to be in. They make those in game changes to say like, okay, well this is going to be this type of game. So we need to adjust accordingly. I think the 49ers by and large have, have done that well this season. Um, And we're starting to see them 
hit their stride with a big win against the, the Bengals. I know the Bengals kind of started to come back in that game. San Francisco still held on. So yeah. you you let us know where where do we want to start when looking at this San Francisco team and how they match up with the Falcons? Well, it's it's got to be with the Cordero Patterson Debo showdown that we're mm. all looking forward to and that we're all going to have the uh, ability to see on display because these two dynamic individuals are going to be the focal points for both opposing defenses. Because if you don't stop them, and you know, all due respect to Kyle Pitts, you know he's still a, a child compared to thirty-year-old you know, <laughs> Cordero Patterson, who is now coming into his own and breaking all types of personal records. And and yep. Debo Samuel, you know, he he's been watching Cordero Patterson from uh, afar, saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I see you. Uh, I, I, I'm going to raise you. You know, I I can catch balls, run balls, and then do this and do some end arounds. I mean, he might even throw a pass. Who who knows? But uh, I, I just realized that it's going to be a nightmare for both defenses to try and stop the opposing all-purpose uh, athletes on, on on the other side. And whoever does a better job, you know, Dean Pease or, or the DC for the 49ers, is the one who's probably going to win this game. I mean, it's it's no secret that this game is going to be a really interesting one from an offensive perspective, for sure, because of who both head coaches are. I mean, they, they've been yeah. one of kind of the more creative, um, but not necessarily creative in like the Sean Payton, um, Joe Brady, Joe Lombardi, like the air it out type of thing. I think what really makes both of these offenses run <laughs> is literally the run game. And yeah. that is where everything stems from. It's these are two of the better offensive coaches, I think, the last decade of of kind of marrying their runs to their passes to really benefit their offensive line. I mean, what Kyle Shanahan has historically been able to do with offensive linemen, um, they immediately get better when he kind of comes to town. Same with uh, same with the running game. A lot of that Bobby Turner um, is involved in like they've been married there for together forever um and it's proven to uh, to work out but we're seeing now atlanta's run game really get going and both of these teams get a lot of different people involved in making that run game happen uh you mentioned debo samuel i mean he scored a, a rushing touchdown last week actually finished with 37 uh rushing yards 22 receiving yards only caught one pass in that game but over the course of the season no doubt he has been kind of their mvp uh another guy who really could be dangerous for Atlanta in this game. And last couple of seasons, you know, he was hurt all of last year. This year, Ben Hurt, up and down. George Kittle, 13 catches, 151 yards and a touchdown Yo. last week. Monster, monster game. I mean, at, at various points, he looked like Rob Gronkowski. He looked like yeah. Tony Gonzalez. He looked like Darren Walla. I mean, he looked like any type of tight end Beep. you needed him to be. He's a freak. So he's my biggest concern um, if we're going to look at, I know Debo Samuel, like he's got it to me. This is a little bit of like a, you got to let one of them beat you, like pick your poison. I yeah. think that, I think that just the Falcons are set up a little bit better to defend somebody like Debo Samuel, because a, I trust AJ Terrell out there on, on the, the perimeter to lock him down, maybe more as a receiver, but the speed that yeah. you have a linebacker, I think can neutralize some of those reverses, those end arounds. Like we even seen, Teams really try the Falcons a ton on the edge uh, this year because they yeah. they just have that speed. Um, George Kittle right up the middle, like it just just kind of running. The, uh, other yeah. tight ends have have 
been effective against Atlanta this season. If you kind of look back over the the stats, it'll be, you know, Foyer and, and Dion usually have their work cut out for them because teams are just going to throw the ball to the tight end nine, ten times in the game. And I mean, why wouldn't they do the same with George Kittle here? Yeah, they they absolutely will do the same with George Kittle. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, they're they're wonderful uh, fullback, and you know one of mm-hmm. the best representations uh, of of our breed, of our brand, uh, our ilk, if you may. He was talking <laughs> about George Kittle and Debo Samuel's as just part of the reputation or, or part of the kind of the mindset that their players have, which is they're all going to be uh, multifunctional. You know, they're all going to be. Uh, individuals that Kyle Shanahan can play with and move around. Like Kittle says, he's more of an H back. He says the same thing yeah. about uh, um, Juszczyk. You know, he can come into the I formation. Both of them can, can uh, shift out of different formations to kind of throw off the defense. And um, I, I feel like they all have that athletic ability to where they're dangerous. And like you mentioned with Kittle, he has such an ability to stretch the field not like Debo Samuels but to do it in a way where it's in the middle of the field and these linebackers are use they have a bunch of speed but they can't go omnidirectional yeah. uh, at, he at gets like instant. a two-way go he's so good yeah. at he'll like split the middle of the field and then he's so quick out of his brain like he he is I think people because he is so good at blocking people yeah. kind of think of him as a, like he's one of the most athletic tight ends in the yeah. league right now and so yeah you get him man coverage against a linebacker or, or like zone against a safety. They don't necessarily know where he's going to be. The offense does, uh, but it's like, yeah. it's a really, really hard, I think, matchup for, for all of those reasons. Um, but continue. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I just, you know, uh, I read a bit on what Kyle was saying about his teammates and his praise for Kittle and Debo were great, but it's all kind of just surrounding the athletic ability they all have that allows Kyle uh, Shanahan to to work his magic, and you know we still have words with Kyle Shanahan. We still have a, a feel a certain <laughs> type of way when he took his talents elsewhere, and you know took we didn't, uh, we didn't of, exercise those demons in 2019. We we we, we kind of did, you know, but uh, I, I just feel like we would like to beat him uh, a little bit more than the rest of the coaches, you know, because uh, you know. Several reasons. Some of them because uh, uh, that Super Bowl we should have won. He was the OC, and he probably had a lot to say. Head coach could have overruled him about the whole not running the ball. So, you know, Carl Shanahan, he, he's an interesting one, uh, a, a personality. He did a lot for the city and for the team when we were here, but um, he didn't get us what we wanted. So now beating him feels extra good. So we we have the <laughs> tools to do it. We definitely can, I feel like, with DMPs. I won't say outsmart him, but do enough to where we give Matt uh, the ability to 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 do his thing and win in a close game. Because I'd rather put the ball in Matt's hand any day of the week. And now that we have a competent running game and one with my boy Mike Davis, who <laughs> had a chance to uh, you know talk to and meet in person at the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award uh, yeah. uh, last week, I, I just feel like he gives CP that extra dimension he gives a run game an extra dimension and now it's a, it's a really authentic one-two punch so with that and matt ryan feeling comfortable that's not a full passing game in our defense you know uh i think having the tools to not shut down but slow down uh, their weapons we can win this man we can win this will i, I feel good <laughs> i i do too as well because i i mean i think that this 
could really unfold in the type of game that Atlanta has a got a lot of experience playing this year and B has shown the ability to win kind of these these like 24 21 fourth quarter games that like you know maybe there's each team has a turnover there's some penalties there's couple sacks on either side it's it's not the prettiest game it's it's a little bit of a messy muddy like dogfight scratching yep. and clawing but that's what games are in december in the nfl especially yep. amongst two teams fighting for a playoff spot it's not always going to be clean it's not always going to be perfect but not i think i think the result of that will be less mental mistakes less sloppiness like you would see earlier in the season when it's more of a team hurting itself because uh, they're just not maybe clicking on all gears that shouldn't be the case now. I mean, it's week, what, 14, 15? Like, yeah. you should understand what you are. We've seen the Falcons, you know, their run game's perfect example. I, I think some of what they've been able to do, tweaking their defensive line, I know the pressure hasn't been there, but like, I think, I think the three levels of the defense are all playing pretty in sync, um, by and large. Like, we're not seeing any big, like, busted plays. When was the last time you remember, like, a big explosive play against this, you know, maybe I shouldn't, bring that up right after Tampa Bay like threw it all over the yard against them so um but but you get you get my point this is going to be more i think an ugly game because both teams make plays that force the other team to look ugly it's going to be more of like a team plays well better than the other team at times it's just who can play well more consistently and that's where i want to bring this to the quarterback position because we've talked a lot about the run games. Yes, both of these teams, I think, are, are defined more by their, their run games than their passing games. But Matt Ryan is still a quarterback that his stats have not been amazing this year outside of that kind of four-game, five-game stretch kind of earlier on in the season. But I think if you watch him play to play, it's he is playing as well within the confines of what this offense is trying to be. I think as, as anybody could have expected, it looks like he's in yeah. clear command. He's still making the the small plays. It's just a different type of offense than than the one Dirk Cutter. Like that one was designed to get explosive big plays down the field. Matt benefited from it, but it also would leave you vulnerable at times. And this one is a much more slow, methodical. We're gonna we're gonna take what they're gonna give us, inch our way down the field, string together. If we can string together three 12 play drives in a game, that's 21 points. You you expect maybe maybe young way to tack on a couple there. 27 points, I mean, that should win you most games. Like, that's kind of the way that this team wants to play on offense. And Matt Ryan is doing really well. There's one key stat defensively for San Francisco that stands out. They are second in the league in points per play defensively, meaning they give up the second um, most yards per play. But they're they're 14th in, in yards per game. I kind of like that for the Falcons because I think that that sets up what this could be is, again, run the ball, run the ball, set that up, let Matt Ryan take his shots. And I, I think that this is going to be a good classic Matt Ryan game. Big stakes. Last time he's kind of been in one of these big games. Um, and, yeah. and so how do you like this Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo dynamic? Um, I like the Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo dynamic uh, in our favor if our offensive line can repeat the performance they had against the Panthers because yep. Good point. zero stacks, if I'm correct, uh, uh, last week. Yes. They stuck one in when I was uh, at the bathroom break. They did an amazing job against a defensive line that's known for sacking. They were, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, middle, middle of the road, you know, darn near above average when it came to, came to pressure, but they got none against us. 
Now with uh, Bosa and Eric Armistead uh, and the fact that this is another yeah. team that is, you know, average at worst when it comes to rushing the passer, we got to have that similar performance where we protect our guy. It, it's There are a, 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 a game, couple games span where it was just atrocious. You know, Matt, I think still, even though we've gotten better, he still might be leading the league in knockdowns, hurries, sacks, uh, all those categories. And that's just so frustrating <laughs> when we <laughs> know about this year after year. We failed to fix it. Uh, just kind of how it's frustrating that, you know, our defensive back situation or defense as a whole is so bad. But with, with Matt, I feel like if we protect him, he will protect us. He, he'll he'll do give us a... a old school Matt Ryan performance. And, and I think running the ball is going to help as well. Keep their defensive pass rush to a minimum and keep them back on their toes. Um, and we, again, with the Mike Davis uh, performance and his kind of uh, emergence as more than just uh, a spot back, but somebody who could truly be a key part and an effective part of this one, two run game punch that I think every team needs. We, we got everything lined up. Like, the stars are aligning for us. You know, Matt, Matt Ryan <laughs> is hungry. He knows how to win these tough games. He still has that fire, an elite passion for uh, competition. And I, I say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. If we give him the tools, yeah. give him the protection, and give him uh, a run game, Matt Ryan, the MVP 2016 Matt Ryan, is who's still in that body. He's still in that mind. Yeah. He still has that ability and we just got to give him the parameters to to uh let, let it you know show or let it really uh i, I think uh shine so I, i'm i'm matt ryan over jimmy garoppolo any day i mean when you have a guy who is already aware that he's out like garoppolo knows this this is it they, they got a guy to replace me you know he needs some time but i'm not going to be here next year and so he's auditioning for his next team and that that's motivation in itself but he also knows that this team doesn't want me. <laughs> I'm not good enough to be a 49er uh, moving forward. But Matt knows that not just his contract, but as long as he is Matt Ryan, he's not going anywhere. As much as the fans say it, as much as, you know, uh, talking hands like us say it, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's going to have a statue in Atlanta at, at some point. He's going to be somebody who's going to be up in the rafters. And oh, yeah. uh, he's uh, a a, a above average quarterback that gives us the ability to win at that position every single game. Completely agree. And and there's really not much more. I think I need to add to that because you, you touched on everything and uh, yes, he should be in the hall of fame. Like I, he, he still overcomes um, a lot for a foreign offense. I mean, everything he's able to do pre-snap, identify the stuff, get yeah. guys like, like just watch him before any snap. He is, he's the conductor of, of everything. And I mean, Game manager has always been a weird term to me and that why do people see it as a negative light? Like that's exactly what I want from I want somebody I trust to manage this game. And and, and yeah, that, that sometimes that means dinking and dunking. Sometimes it means taking deep shots. I trust Matt Ryan to know when to do each. And that is what I want is somebody who's going to manage my game for me is like, all right, when do we need you to take a big shot? When do we need you to start pushing it? When do we need you to play it safe and run out the clock or do these little things? That's Matt Ryan to me. He can still make every throw. He just, but he's like, is he's just a professional ass quarterback behind yeah. the de- or behind center, running your offense. Um, and and so yeah, for that reason, I mean, I I am bullish on the Falcons. Let's quickly flip and talk about the defenses. Um, you touched on 
San Francisco's pass rush, uh, Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, pardon me. I always mix those two guys up. Yeah, right? Like I don't I'd be named both. Joey and Nick and both live out in California. Like, yep. come on, guys. Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> so so Nick Bosa, uh, 14 sacks, 18 tackles for a loss this season. He's he's been playing as well as as he always does. Um, but then they've got the rest of their kind of pass rush. Most sacks uh, behind Nick Bosa is Arden Key with four. Um, but then Eric Armstead, three, D Ford, three. So it, it, it has been primarily Nick Bosa. Again, for the same reason I liked that matchup a little bit more for Atlanta's offensive line. Caleb McGarry's been playing pretty well the past couple of weeks. I think Jake Matthews, you know, consistent as always. You know what you're going to go, Jake. I, I like those guys dealing with Nick Bosa a little bit more than a Jalen Mayfield or a, a Drew Dahlman or a Matt Hennessy. That doesn't mean San Francisco can't find ways to get him on those guys. But who who for San Francisco's defense really stands out to you? I mean, a couple players, Fred Warner, um, Jimmy Ward at corner, Jaquiski Tart. Uh, who, who scares you for if Atlanta if you're uh, looking at this matchup? Uh, DJ Jones and his ability to limit the run can really be a thorn in our side because that is a key piece for our offense working. If we can't duplicate what happened last week and we can't get, you know, Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis uh, getting chunk yardage, uh, uh, make sure we stay ahead of the sticks, three yards here, four yards here, four yards there, first down, it's going to be a problem. So if DJ Jones gets disruptive and uh, starts to get in the backfield and starts making these, you know, shoestring tackles, uh, it's going to be a waterfall effect to where we're putting Matt Ryan in situations where he has to force the ball in and it, we're second and long trying to catch up to the sticks and it, everything just falls apart. Three downs come and go really fast if you have somebody <laughs> who disrupts your whole uh, momentum and your flow and your timing, which he can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great point because I do think that a lot of people overlook players like DJ Jones because of somebody like Nick Bosa, because it's easy to see, all right, who's that white blur making a sack in the backfield. And you don't necessarily pay attention to the second and six stop in the backfield that now suddenly it's third and and 11. And it's like, that's a drive killer. Just like any penalty, a play in the backfield is a drive killer. And again, for offenses like Atlanta, like San Francisco, you're trying to string together a 12, 13 play drive. You can't have drive killers. Uh, drive killers are, are essentially turnovers um, at that point. So um, I, I love that point. A 100% cosign. Looking um, at Atlanta's defense, let's talk about Eric Harris's absence um, a little bit. Obviously, he's he's done for the year. Peck injury. Going into the season, we had no idea what to make of the safety group in Atlanta. Obviously, a huge turnover from uh, last year, from really the past several years. Monte Casey gone, Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, all those guys out. In yeah. come Deron Harmon, Eric Harris, Jalen Hawkins still there. They draft Richie Grant. Who do you expect more between Richie Grant, who also kind of got dinged up, left with his own injury? Um, we're still waiting to see if he'll be available. If he's not, obviously that answers this question for me. But yeah. who would you like to see more out there if both Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins are healthy, good to go um, in this matchup? Is there one that you like a little bit more against San Francisco or trust a little bit more? How, how do you see those? Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would like uh, Harmon to to step up his role because he's shown us enough flashes to where we know that he can be uh, a good player. It's just about 
So Doing just play it. with 10, 10 guys out there on defense and ask him to be <laughs> two safeties. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I would I like I get to what you're saying. use cloning. I mean, it, it, I, it's, just, it's just a thing to where if every player could play at their best, we would be an amazing team. But that's <laughs> doesn't happen. It's unfortunately unrealistic. And you need players to uh, be consistent. And those are the ones you can trust, the ones that may not have all the talent in the world, but they're going to be, especially on defense, where yep. you expect them to be. And they're going to be uh, reliable so that when you're saying, all right, I'm taking this guy, you know that you're not going to be leaving a whole section of the field open because he's going to do his job. And when things yeah. do fall apart, as they sometimes do when, with the scramble drill, or uh, you got to be able to understand what my teammate is thinking what we've done in practice, all right, he's probably going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. And uh, that hasn't happened as much as I'd like to see with the Falcons, whether it's an individual thing or a collective thing or a coach thing or just a a, a meshing thing. Um, I, I'd love for us to get better across the board. You know, I, I wish we could kind of clone A.J. Terrell and put him at safety <laughs> and corner and everything else, but that's not quite possible yet. It's a wonderful point, and, and it's kind of something that I think I've been thinking in the back of my mind throughout this year, I just haven't been able to put my finger on it as eloquently as you just did. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons why I think a lot of people were looking at Richie Grant early on in the season and being like, this is our second round pick. Why is he not even sniffing the field outside of special yeah. teams? You're seeing this coaching staff, especially say it doesn't necessarily matter that we have our 11 best guys out there on the field. It's the 11 guys we trust the most to execute the game plan Bingo. for the team as the whole. And, I did notice with Richie Grant, especially, and you know, I'm not trying to single him out. It's just something I noticed as a rookie because he can make some of these like splashy plays. But when he gets when his job is to be the edge defender and to be the force defender to push everything back inside, and then you see him try to dip under a block mm -hmm. that gives up the edge and allows a big run to happen because he didn't do his job. Your job is not to make the tackle. Your job is to funnel it back into the guys who will make the tackle. And yeah, that may give up three more yards, but it's not going to give up 30 yards. Yep. Those are the types of plays that you need to trust your players to make before you put them on the field consistently for 55, 60 snaps. I think now we're seeing the point of the year where it is clicking for some of these younger guys. And so that then allows you when you lose a safety like Eric Harris, who may not make those splashy plays. And I kind of take issue some of with what I've seen from him this year, but he does. He's at least in the position to make the play. And that's kind of step one. It's what we saw AJ Terrell do last year. Now he's just making the plays and finishing. Yeah. Um, yes. So the loss of Eric Harris will be big, especially because he would probably have been somebody they would have looked at to cover George Kittle. I, yeah. I, I don't know if that would have been the best, the best <laughs> decision, but it's, it's yeah. one option. Who's now, who's now off the board. Um, let's, Let's kind of wrap up this conversation with uh, some final thoughts, predictions right after this. Say goodbye to dull gifts. I think I will. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Ah, I see what they did there. You know, diamonds dull, bright. These guys are on it. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And at a light price, too. I mean, $800 per carat. Not a big, uh, you know, carat expert myself, um, but there's that information for you. $800 per carat. So you may be asking, what is a lab-grown diamond? 
Well, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in a bluish pink or, you know, a, a, just a classic white, maybe just a good, beautiful blue. I'm a classic blue guy myself. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, Ovi. Um, is there any part of this conversation? Uh, let's talk about the head coaches real quick. Um, few thoughts on where, like, where should Arthur Smith's head be at, and and what does he need to say to this team to get them ready for this game, or does he need to? Because this is this is their game. I mean, we talk about must win games in week three. That's all bullshit. That doesn't mean anything in week three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's but like we have to say it because it's like content. Uh, this this is probably the must-win game of the Falcons season. They win this game. There's a, a better-than-not chance, I, th- I think, that then they can actually make something of this season and, and squeak in. If they lose, I, I think everything's kaput. What does Arthur no, Smith no. need to say? Yeah, this is a must-win game. I mean, every game except for the Bills is a must-win. You must win the games that you can win, and this is a winnable game. Not that the Bills are, is not, but it. It's but it's also an not, AFC game, so it's yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's. I I gotcha. Yeah. Not 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 as important, and you know, not as probable as we that we can beat uh, the Bills versus beat the Forty ers because they have issues like we have. They're uh, a nice little mirror yeah. of us. They they they're not perfect. They have uh, a lot to be desired in, in certain areas, and so as a coach, yeah, the team should already be. Um, geeked up and excited and amped up and realize everything. <laughs> it, it's, it's your job to frame things and not assume. You make an ass out of yourself and me when you assume. And coaches <laughs> cannot do that because we don't have the 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 tenure, the veterans, the experience, the uh, um, you know, breadth of talents. Uh, we have, I think, some, a lot of good guys and can go into the, the Walter Payton uh, Award at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which was a wonderful experience and get a chance to see Terry Fontenot, meet him in person for the first time. Real cool yeah. brother. Um, he's impressive. Really excited. Oh my gosh, really excited about what he's doing with the team, uh, and all the stuff he says on his press conferences. It, it, it's it's palpable. You can feel yeah, the excitement. You can. you can feel the fact that he's not playing around. Like he's going to make us into a Super Bowl contender. You know, if he has to drag us there, kicking and screaming. <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, but but seeing some of the current players uh, and understanding uh, more just from talking to to Terry and some of the other uh, staff about the uh, temperament in the locker room, the uh, kind of the feel around the facility. These guys aren't here to just, you know, play the rest of the games and, and go home. Like, they want to really cultivate a winning culture, and, and they want to really uh, change the way that people look at the Falcons and that we look at ourselves. And to do that, it's about winning big games like this. I mean, to do that, it's about... Yep understanding how to step up in the situations. Uh, I think, well, I don't know, it was Dion or somebody, big-time players or make big-time plays in big-time games. That's that's where we're at. And, and I, I know this is not the Super Bowl, but this is our <laughs> moment. Yeah. And this as close is, as they've uh, been since 2017. Yeah, it, thank you. This is, this is our time to really, to really shine. And so I, I think Arthur Smith is going to have some sort of speech. Uh, hopefully his speeches to his team is a little more passion than his uh press conferences uh because he's not showing that much emotion and he frankly needs to show emotion he, he as a player you, i want my coach to show some emotion when it's just us as a family i mean oh, yeah. whether 
it's your style or not. You don't got to dog cuss everybody, but you got to be able to let me feel you when you talk about yeah. how much it means to you to win this game, how much it should mean to us to win this game. You know, go over the preparation, go over, you know, uh, uh, doing your job, go over, you know, the, uh, the note taking on watching film. But what's most important is the execution of all of this. Because I've seen yeah. the best coaches in getting people prepared. But when it comes time to execute, they fall flat and exciting their 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 core, their their base. Because it's as <laughs> you're as good as your worst player. It takes one bad player, not yeah. dialed in, not focused, to have that offsides penalty, to have that, you know, uh flag come out, to not be lined up angle. on special yeah. this is the worst. Not be in the game, 11, uh, 12 guys on the field or 10 guys on the field, or yep. you're uh, holding on a penalty, especially his play, because you're not dialed in. So yeah. as a coach, you got to make sure everybody to the last man understands how important this game is and goes out there and does their best to win it. But even especially this week, if if Arthur Smith for some reason doesn't have that in him, and, and I have no idea if he does or not, and I never yeah. will, <laughs> but uh, if there's one week ever <laughs> that I would like to see Matt Ryan stand in front of this locker room yeah. that I would like to see Grady Jarrett stand in front of this locker room that I would like yeah. to see Jake Matthews guys yep. who have reached that mountaintop and have had to deal with the slog of the last three seasons when it is December 17th and you notice the cars are leaving the parking lot a little bit earlier each day because it doesn't matter anymore because the season is over and it's been over for a little while. The season is not over. You've got a big game. This game matters now. And they've played well late. They've done the Kansas City almost beat them in week 16. They've done the San Francisco actually beat them in week 14. None of those games actually mattered. And yet the Falcons still mustered enough professionalism, drive, fortitude, whatever, to have a good week of practice, come out and perform and beat a team for a game that didn't really matter. Sure, it made you feel good, but this one does matter. So yeah. if they could do it then, they need to witness and or see this opportunity in front of them and not let it slip by. And that is where nobody's better to drive home that message than the players who have worked their asses off, achieved success, and know how where an opportunity like this really is and impart that upon the younger players to make sure that they're ready to go and reinforce Arthur Smith's message. Um, whether that comes from the coach or the, the quarterback, doesn't matter to me. Somebody needs to say it. Um, all right, Ovi, final thought or final prediction. Uh, what do you got for us? Oh man, um, I feel like it's going to be an, an offense offensive uh, race. Um, we really got to score every time we have the football because they're going to be scoring a lot too. They have a, a, a lot of great weapons. Um, I'm actually going to go with the uh, 35-28 Falcons. All right, I, I like it. I I don't know if the scoring is going to be necessarily that high. I think I'm going to lean like the 26-24 range um but i'm gonna say atlanta as well which is scary i don't I know, like right? that we both i don't like that we both picked the falcons but yeah. i i just think they finally get it done i i think you know this is down to the fourth quarter i would be shocked if they do get blown out even though vegas kind of expects that i think the really are like eight point blown favorites out? or something yeah, yeah it's yeah. like an eight and a half point line or, or nine yeah. even maybe um so yeah. that's crazy but can't argue with the falcons either play these close games or they've gotten blown out this year. So, I mean, I, I get it. I, I get where they're coming from. I just don't agree. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, this this has been a lot of fun. Today's podcast brought to you, as always, by Bet BetOnline. Um, follow us on, on Twitter 
at Ovi Mihaly 34 at Will McFadden. And let everybody know uh, where they can find us. It'll be Monday morning talking about hopefully a win. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.